This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. From tornadoes touching down near O'Hare to hazy skies and air quality alerts, this summer Chicago's weather has been chaotic, to say the least. And this week the city's expected to see a spike in temperatures, possibly in the high 90s. I'm sweating just thinking about it. Now, for many of us, extreme weather like this is manageable. You stay indoors a bit more and you turn up the air conditioning. But for the thousands experiencing homelessness in our city, it's not so easy and it can be deadly. So to understand the biggest challenges unhoused people face with extreme weather and some possible solutions, we talked to Colleen Ryan, a nurse practitioner with Heartland Alliance Health, and Andy Robledo. He's a Chicagoan providing tents to people experiencing homelessness. Colleen made it plain when it comes to health issues this community faces with high temperatures. So some of the most severe uh, concerns are heat stroke and death, yeah. um, to put it very bluntly. Um, there are several steps that happen before that, which would, we can think about heat exhaustion. We can think about just being dehydrated, really fatigued and run down. But ultimately, death is a risk. Wow. City officials send out their list of recommendations for people during these high temperatures. They, they write things like, you know, stay out of the sun, avoid outdoor activities, drink plenty of water, cool down with a bath or shower. What options do people experiencing homelessness have here, Andy? There's really not a whole lot of those options. So um, really when we go out to the encampments, um, you know, in in the winter, a lot of times, you know, we see like people are freezing to death. But in the summer, um, there's no water. So there's nowhere to even get water to take a shower or take a bath um, or to even drink. But that's the the number one request we have. Um, And then also like finding a cooling center. Um, it's, It's hard there's all these resources out there, but when you're living at an encampment and you don't have access to transportation or information or know where these things are, um, it's really hard to find those things. Yeah, um, what does access to a cooling center look like here? You know what? I wouldn't even know the first place to start looking. I mean, I, I could look online, but um, you know, you'd probably have to find some some kind of transportation. Yeah, we've got to find six one. of them that I guess you know, if you have access, you could Google. Yeah, and and they're open, you know, nine to five, you know, all week. But yeah, as to your point, not always so easy for yeah. everyone. Yeah, especially when you're, you know, like you mentioned, fatigued, exhausted from the heat, thirsty, just trying to stay alive in the moment. All you could think about is, what do I do right now to not, you know, suffer from this heat? So yeah, well, to that point, Colleen, what are some signs that that folks can look out for if someone is experiencing heat exhaustion, for instance? What does that look like? Sure. So heat exhaustion. 
um, can start off with, start off the earlier stages are where people just feel tired. Um, your body sweats a lot, and so you're losing hydration, especially if you don't have access to water or things like Gatorade that can help replenish your hydration status. Mm-hmm. Um, people often will have flushed cheeks. We think about a sunburn look. Um, their skin overall can be red. As things progress, sometimes people start to feel cool. They feel clammy. Um, really? Yeah, and, that, that's, and, so, and that's a sign and that's of heat actually, exhaustion. Right, that gets Interesting. really scary because that is a concerning sign when people start to feel cold when they're really hot um, and their body temperature rises. Um, so those are some warning signs. I mean, one of the things that we really recommend is to make sure that you're checking on people. Um, and, and many of the encampments, um, there are it's groups of people, so they are able to check on each other, but there's a lot of people who aren't necessarily on the radar to be checked on, and those are people who are living sort of in other less traditional. Yeah. I guess an encampment's not traditional, but for some of our people we work with, it is. Yeah. Um, but it, to, go ahead. I was gonna say, just to make sure that we're checking on people and making sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if there are resources in terms of providing water, hydration. Asking key questions. Yep. And people can get confused. So that actually brings up another as um, this progresses, people sometimes get confused and it can appear like they're having a stroke or other really serious health um, health health events. Andy, you've done work to, to give people experiencing homelessness sturdy orange tents. We've talked about this on the program before you initially started giving those out. It was kind of a way to help people experiencing homelessness just get through the winter. Right. How did they respond? Take us back. Uh, respond to the the tents? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was night and day difference. I remember um, the first winter I'd gone out just seeing people in summer tents Mm -hmm. uh, with ventilation on the sides, and people were suffering. People were freezing, like uh, frostbite, suffering that I had never seen before in my life and that most of us don't get to see, that our donors don't see, that the the listeners don't get to see. But um, I got out of my truck and stepped right to the foot of it to, to look it in the face and um, it was horrific so and I knew we could do better and it was uh, it was a letdown to think that there were all these organizations and these government entities that were letting people live up here like this and not giving them anything better mm-hmm. so so these uh, tents are helping the way that you you hoped they would it was yeah like night and day once we put up those structures they hold heat people can stand up in them um, and the winter was a lot different. Instead of coming up to people like pleading for help, um, they were like, "I'm cool. Maybe bring me some water or get me a meal." Like, you know. So the the feedback was was great, and um, you know, uh, people deserve more than that. They deserve housing and an apartment. Uh, but it's the best that we can do on a shoestring budget yeah. uh, to in- improve the conditions. But now these tents are are holding the heat, but do they keep heat out too? Like in the the summer months? So the feedback I've gotten is that people have been fairly comfortable in them. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's hot. So they help just as much, yeah, in the the summer months as they do in the winter. Uh, So, Colleen, you've been a nurse practitioner now for about 12 years. Correct. Help put this into more perspective for us. I mean, how many people have you treated for exposure-related conditions? Like people who have uh, been constantly exposed to harsh weather. A lot. I I don't have a number to give you because it's a lot. Um, I mean, we treat thousands of people a year at our organization, just the organization where I come from, Heartland Alliance Health. Um, And we have lots of partners across the city who are doing the same work. Um, And so it's it's been interesting. The... um, 
over time, you know, recent the past few years, we're seeing an increase in number of people unsheltered. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always been a concern for many people experiencing homelessness in Chicago, but the, the unsheltered numbers are what's become alarming, especially in this past year. Um, you know, I'm not certain. There's a lot of things we can blame, um, but the point is, is that the numbers are going up. So proportionately, we're seeing an increase in um Wow. And, and the number, I mean, does it change throughout the year? Like, are you seeing maybe more or less people during the winter than summertime? So I think it's directly correlated with how extreme the weather is. The years when there's these long extended periods of time where it's below zero, we're seeing a lot of people at that. Um, and the same when we have several days in a row when there's heat temperatures above 90, um, we see a lot more people versus the milder seasons where it's, you know, 60, 70, even mm-hmm. 40s or even in the 30 degree range. Um, yeah we're seeing less so to that end andy you know extreme heat may not cause someone to lose temporary shelter if they have it but heavy snowfall and rainstorms things like that could right Mm -hmm. um and and heavy floods could also um, displace even people who are able to find more permanent shelter so i'm curious what you've heard from from people that you've worked with what are they saying about how often they're losing shelter just due to the weather I mean, I've seen it just when the rainy season hits. Yeah. Um, so the goal is, like, with those tents, if I can keep someone alive for a cold snap, like, it did its job, you know? Yeah. But then the rainy season then comes. Then around the corner is Around the corner the is the rainy season, um, the winds. So, yeah, we've lost some tents to, you know, harsh winds or trees falling. Um, but, but yeah, it hasn't happened mm-hmm. as often. Like, they stand up a lot better than uh, than anything else. Can that they be repaired? They can be repaired. So we've done a lot of repairs on them, but they're very sturdy. So um, it takes a lot to, to take them down. So, mm-hmm. but, with means, the, but with, but the, ex- with the weather we've been with getting the, lately, yeah. that, that is the a lot, right? Yeah, with the extreme weather, um, they've really taken a lot. But we've... Um, they've taken a beating. They've taken a beating, and uh, a lot of them, you know, a good amount need to be replaced. Yeah. How have you seen extreme weather and, and homelessness impact a person's mental health, Colleen? It's rough. It's really hard for people. Because yeah. um, it's not just about potentially losing your place to stay. But, I mean, there's a, a mental health impact. Right, there is. I mean, imagine if you didn't know where you were going to put your head tonight. How would you feel? And day to day, you've got to figure that out. Right. When you wake up tomorrow, wherever you may wake up, if you are able, if you were able to sleep, um, what what's next? Yeah. It's a lot of stress for a person. Um, and that that's assuming safety. It's not always safe. What about safety. on your end? I mean, what's it like for you then trying to treat that? So I think a big piece is meeting people where they are. I mean, there's the literal meeting people in their encampments or wherever they're they're staying, um, but also meeting where they are and what they're ready to and capable or, or to work on. So if today we're going to focus on trying to get some sleep, then that's what we're going to focus on um, and not really pushing people to go beyond what they're comfortable or what they're ready for. So, I mean, Colleen, scientists, they're expecting extreme weather conditions are only going to get more frequent as as climate change just continues yes. to worsen. So, I mean, take us inside your world. I, I mean, how is that going to affect how you're planning for the future? So it's a great question. Um, Caring for house, unhoused people. Yeah, so I think ultimately everybody should get housing. That would be a great way to help solve this. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> yeah, um, there are some initiatives that will hopefully lead us in that direction. Um, very specifically, Chicago was chosen as part of the All Inside initiative recently. What's that? Um, it's a federal program, and I 
cannot speak to a lot of details, but basically it's a federal program that will support, I believe there's six different cities across the country. Mm -hmm. um, And it's some really intense efforts in terms of collaboration across agencies, um, federal and local, so that we can work together to be able to really face some of these um, challenges. Because it's not just one thing that's going to fix all of this. There's there's multi, multi, it's multidimensional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we talked briefly about your work, Andy, just getting those high quality orange tents uh, to folks. Uh, aside from shelter, you know, the obvious, what other immediate need or needs do you see it filling? The tent. People? Yes. The actual tent. And really, the, the biggest part is human connection and showing people out there that people care about them, like the listeners here care about them. People at the Orange Tent Project, my organization, Mm -hmm. care about them. Uh, Their neighbors care about them. We're all community supported. Uh, We don't have any grants. We don't have any federal funding. We don't have any big benefactors. Um, Well, uh, to that end, I mean, like, who's covering the cost here? And what what does it cost? So the cost to build a tent, uh, just the materials Mm -hmm. are about $350 for just the materials when we count in a heater, when we count in blankets, lights, propane uh we're more like you know staffing we're at like five hundred dollars uh to build each tent and yeah and that's all five dollars ten dollars at a time from donors in the community it's all community-based everybody just stepping up everyone's stepping up i remember when we first heard about you you on this mission and and um folks were just trying to find you how do i find that guy that's making that you know that's uh, distributing tents and we had you on reset and we got a few calls as well trying to have folks uh, you know be connected to you and all these people showed up thank you for showing up people just showed up with their donations but also to help build to get their you know i love that hands dirty and i i think too those tents are giving folks a sense of privacy yeah somewhere to put their things right their personal belongings yeah they call them but you um, don't have that usually when you're unhoused yeah, they call them like uh, condos. They're little condos. Um, or I've seen them called like, oh, my, I'm getting a mansion today, you know, compared to what I had before. Um, but, yeah, people can stand up. People can walk around. People can have a place for their bed, a place to eat, a place to sit Their and own private read. space. Their own private space where, you know, all your stuff isn't just out or you're sleeping on top of it. So, um yeah. That's pretty valuable. Uh, what are a few approaches, Colleen, that you've seen organizations take um, to address homelessness across the city? I mean, and any that you think are working well? So there's been, you know, uh, COVID did a lot of things. Um, one of the really exciting things, I think really great things that happened is it caused a lot of our organizations across Chicago to collaborate. So there's several different organizations that are, are have been since I think it was like March of 2020 when we had this big meeting that all of a sudden bloomed into a huge citywide um, collaborative. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and so it's causing us to actually talk to each other and work together a whole lot more. And I mean, we and we worked together previously, but the growth... Um, that's come from that has really, um, you know, in terms of like our housing organizations are talking to our healthcare organizations more. And we're asking each other what they need yeah. and figuring out how we can t- work together. A really like simple but powerful example is we say, hey, what time are you going to this location? And we show up together at the same time to provide housing um, resources and to provide healthcare resources. So it's yes. sort of a um, to try and bring the resources to people in a way that makes sense and is convenient for them. That connection that Andy yep. talked about earlier. How much do you think, though, that these efforts are addressing homelessness as a whole versus just treating a symptom of the problem? 
Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think we're all doing what we can. Uh, we're all doing what we can. And um, to Colleen's point, like it takes it takes a village. It takes everyone doing what we can as far as like solving homelessness. Like right now, we're just we're we're addressing a symptom. We're addressing something that's that's much deeper, much darker, much bigger than any one of us, than any one organization. And we have to collaborate. We have to work with the city. We have to work with the federal government. We have to work with you know, private organizations mm-hmm. um, in order to get people not only housed, but also the services that they need, yeah. uh, the wraparound services that they need. So the health care, the mental health care, um, you know, if and then also a little bit of grace and acceptance, you know, like what we have to meet people, like Colleen said, where they're yeah. at and kind of figure out what capacity they have to, you know, yeah. do the things, whether it's get sober or get a job or, you know, move into housing. Like these are all big, big life changes. Um and as a an addict in recovery myself, I know what it's what it's like to even take take the step and try to make any change. So, um, but just meeting people where we're at, I think, is most important. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Andy Robledo is a Chicagoan who's providing tents to people living in homeless encampments around the city. And Colleen Ryan's a nurse practitioner with Heartland Alliance Health. Thank you both so much for joining us. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Stephanie Kim. If you haven't already, now's the time to sign up for the Reset newsletter. Join the thousands of Reset subscribers who have already become part of our growing community and find out what's happening in Chicago and across our state. Just go to wbez.org slash Reset News to sign up. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.